For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Stephanie Reed Meyer. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. This is the penultimate, which means next to last. I said that in my sermon. Nice job. You listened? No. <laughs> of course you didn't. <laughs> no, Sorry. why do you Sorry. sound surprised? I have, <laughs> I have not had a chance yet, too, because of yesterday's clergy session was pretty busy. Yeah, that's why. Yes. So, anywho, this is the penul- penultimate episode of Second Off Script to last. for this season. <laughs> this is season two of Off Script, uh, and we are talking about the third of four sermons in our Top of the Charts sermon series, which has been a ton of fun so far. And we had the uh, week of the battling legends at the 11 o'clock hour, mm. Johnny Cash versus Beatles. Uh, my money's on Johnny Cash in that fight, by the way. Mm. If it was a brawl. <laughs> Seeing as the Beatles are the only ones who have members still alive. It's true. They win. <laughs> Winners. Me- member still alive. Right? Oh. Right? I need to get up on my history. There's just one left, right? Paul. Oh, no. Ringo's still alive. No, I, everyone forgets about Ringo. <laughs> Poor, Poor Ringo. little Ringo. So, okay. And Apple. that little... Uh, series on Disney about the Beatles. I feel like Ringo is just in the background the whole time, <laughs> and I'm so sad for him. Hey, listen, Ringo has been along for the ride for decades, he's, and it's not a bad gig. He's very funny <laughs> in his facial expressions that I see him make. <laughs> All right. So I preached on, uh, well, we both preached on the same scripture, Romans 8, 31 to 39. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Terrific passage from Paul. And uh, I talked about it through the lens of more the life of Johnny Cash than his music per se, although his music reflects his life, obviously. And you talked about Eleanor Rigby yep. in Modern. So we focused more on the loneliness aspect okay. and how loneliness can sometimes separate us huh. from others. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you. You always sound surprised, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like a lot of <laughs> that fun. That makes some sense. So my first question for you is, what is your favorite Johnny Cash song? Because I know it probably isn't the one they sang. Maybe it is. I do love that song for all the reasons I've talked about in the sermon. You've seen Walk the Line? Did you watch Yeah, but I was in like high school. It was yeah. a long time ago. And you've seen it, no? It's really good. So, I mean, that that the movie really inspired my listening of Johnny Cash. A lot of his stuff, I, I took this out of the sermon, a lot of his stuff is, is too brooding and kind of too melancholy for me, which is saying something because I kind of like that kind of music in general. But I would say, uh, you know, Walk the Line, Ring of Fire, both those are terrific Um his version of Hurt is very powerful, but super dark. <laughs> you know, it takes you to a very dark place. He did a, a song with you 2 on one of their albums, so there's a connection between Stop, the two. Stop, <laughs> yeah. of course. The, it's called The Wanderer. It's really, really good. And then, uh, you know, some of those duets with, with June are really great. So, do you listen to Johnny Cash? You- I have, mostly because I kind of grew up in like a country music adjacent world. Yeah. I mean, I went to A&M, so it's kind of in the blood there. But I always liked uh, Bring a Fire. Ring of Fire. Yeah. And did you know one. June wrote it? No. Yeah. I didn't know that till you said yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, did you listen to it all the time in the 
not Danner household. What's your maiden name? Hall. Hall. Mm-hmm. So in the Hall household, did you guys have Johnny Cash on in the background all the time? My my parents were eighties, like, you know, whatever. They like so Madonna. We, yeah, like really? Beastie Boys and Beastie Boys. Yeah. Wow. The song "Girls" I could sing as a very <laughs> small child. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, but so we listened to some country. My mom is like all over George Strait, but you know okay. that's it. Uh-huh. But I've heard it because I was taught to appreciate classic American music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely class. I mean, the whole Sun mm-hmm. Studios thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, if people have not seen the movie Walk the Line, it's worth seeing. Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for an Academy Award. I don't think he won. I don't think so either. I think Reese Witherspoon won though for her portrayal for June. of June. I think that's a biopic, and uh, it's you know true to their story, and it's a just a really incredible story of redemption. He he came up uh, in a in tough circumstances, and he the first half of his life was. Uh, I mean, the way I put it in the sermon, is a train wreck. I mean, he was bad drug addict, um, alcoholic, um, not faithful to his first wife. I mean, he his the first half of his life was not admirable. <laughs> but then he turned it around. And I said in the sermon, you know, he struggled to stay sober, stay clean and sober, which is not an uncommon story for addicts. No. I mean, I think the relapse rate is super high. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're – I mean, he, he was not just an alcoholic. He yeah. Like, I, some of the stuff <laughs> – so I went. I, You're laughing, and we're talking about alcohol. I'm laughing because of, like, we always say, what ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I had yeah. more details in here about his life, and when I ran it by Wit on uh, on Saturday night, she said, um, or Saturday afternoon, she's like, "That's not all that family friendly." <laughs> so I took out some of the details. But he, one of his arrests was uh, when he was coming back into the U.S. from Mexico, and he was trying to smuggle in a thousand pills from oh, Mexico. Wow. Hmm. For his own personal use, to give him a sense, to give you a sense, I mean, he wasn't dealing him, right. to give you a sense of his own, of his addiction. And he, he has said that he, he tried every drug there was to try. But then, you know, he, he got clean with June's help. It was after they were both divorced from their first spouses. And um, he wanted to be a better man for her. And uh, I, it's, it's a really, it's a terrific story. Yeah, so he gets this, like, new lease on life. After June kind of helps him, but it isn't easy for him, right? Like he has to get sober. He has to face up to probably some things he's done in the past Mm -hmm. that are sitting with him that have repercussions. So these stories of redemption and second chances, they really move people. What do you think is so powerful about them? I think, you know, people's reaction to his story is probably, I mean, I think if you've never, if you've never battled an addiction or alcoholism, um, you probably react to him a little differently than if you have. I think his story impacts people a couple of ways. Either you admire his ability to do almost a 180, especially if you're a person of faith, knowing that that was he attributed that to God, Jesus specifically. Or if you've gone through a similar kind of journey, or you have something in your past that uh, something you wish you'd never done, or you know a regret that you're having a hard time living down, then his uh, his story can be inspiring in that way. But I, I do think, like, the emotional reaction in the sanctuary was significant. Like, I felt like there were people that were really moved by the whole, by his story, um, which I didn't necessarily expect, honestly. And, of course, people come to the line talk talk to you about how they responded to the sermon or whatever, which is nice to know that the Holy Spirit is at work in what we're trying to say. The point is that with God, all things are possible, another scripture. Um, we would have been fine for this, a text for this sermon as well. But we tied it into Romans 8, which is, you know, 
a classic. Yeah. So you say that Reverend Jack Soper loves Romans and the eighth chapter. So the eighth chapter is my favorite too. I like the earlier piece about the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf with sides too deep for words. Um, But these are really good too and powerful. Like they stand on their own. You don't even need a lot of context from Romans to kind of get it. So what's your relationship just with the book of Romans in general? Do you love it? How does it kind of play in your rankings of Bible books? Yeah, well, so I think uh, in terms of Protestant theology, I don't think there's a more significant book in the Bible, honestly, because Paul puts kind of a theological architecture around the our, our theology of faith in Christ. So when in the Gospels, you get Christ's teachings and his example. We did that whole thing in Lent. Right. And uh, obviously, that's vital. I mean, it's foundational. <laughs> Yes. But but Paul, I mean, Romans was written before any of those gospels were written, and so he's he's taking everything that we know and and love and are and learn from in the life of Christ, and putting the the theological um, uh, structure about what faith means and what faith does. So everything that we believe about justification and sanctification, for example, all comes from Romans. And Romans eight twenty eight is actually a verse that I think is we didn't read it on Mm-mm. Sunday, but it's God can make has the possi- has the ability to make all things work for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purposes. That way that verse reads. And so, like when somebody has uh, when people are going through tragedy, or they've experienced a terrible loss or whatever, uh, rather than asking the question why did God do that or why did God allow that, which is sometimes the way we're wired to think better question. I hesitate a little bit to use that word, but right. um, I think a more a healthy, healthier question or a more helpful question is what can God do with us in, in the moment. midst of this? Yeah. And so that sets the, sets the tone for 31 to 39, which is that uh, the fact that if God is for us, who is against us? And his implied answer is it doesn't matter. If God's on our side, no, it doesn't matter what's against us. Then this notion that no matter... Like there is nothing that can happen that can separate us from God. I just, it's so powerful. And the way that shows up in Johnny Cash's life is that first half when he was just making mistake after mistake, when he was hurting his wife and the people who loved him. I mean, just, he was, it was not an admirable life, not a commendable life. Still God was with him in the midst of all that. And God, you know, from a Methodist perspective, we would say proveniently calling him back into a relationship. Uh, and I texted Jack after the 845 service. He lives in uh, in Massachusetts now, which is where his, his kids live and grand, more importantly, grandkids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, hey, I'm talking about you today. I quoted you, quote you today. Um, and he sent me a really nice message back. It always struck me that Jack, who was definitely a biblical scholar, like I, my default is to go to John always. And after John, Philippians or Luke. But Jack really taught me a deep appreciation of this particular letter and the and you know, I've taught it a couple times in Bible study and read commentaries on it since and really have come to appreciate it more. I mean it, 31 to 39 it's interesting that I don't, this was not by design but the past 2 weeks we've done very common funeral texts first yeah. uh, Psalm 23 and now Romans 8. Um and I think the power of that is it's just a reminder that God's with us through it all. And so you you talked about Eleanor Rigby and loneliness so Say more about that. I feel like loneliness is just a really big thing in our world right now. I'm trying to, let me see if I can find the stats, but I gave a stat about loneliness in America 
And it was actually done in spring of 2021. Uh, but the report suggested that 36% of all Americans, including, this is the kicker, 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children mm-hmm. feel serious loneliness. Right. So not just like loneliness, but like straight up serious thing. Um, and so I think loneliness is a big thing a lot of us feel. And for me, loneliness is separation. It's separation from community. Um, and it can feel like separation from God in some sense too. So what does it mean that God is always with us? And I think it is tempting to read what Paul's saying and kind of write off like, oh, suffering, all of that, none of it matters. But Paul's saying all of that stuff's going to happen. Right. And still, it doesn't erase any of it. Um, So kind of leaning into those hardships, but then our responsibility too, to combat loneliness. How do we come alongside people? So Eleanor Rigby is all about Eleanor Rigby, of course, and Father McKenzie, and these two lonely people doing very mundane, everyday tasks. It's in the, ah, look at all the lonely Mm -hmm. people. Yep, that's a course. Where do they all come from? Where do they all belong? And so my take was that we all belong here. Um, And this is how we combat loneliness, is being together. Um, And sometimes it's admitting that you are lonely, which can be difficult when you feel lonely, like you don't have anyone to tell that to. Um, So what does it mean if you need to have a therapist? It is okay to pay someone to listen to Mm -hmm. you, um, to kind of help you come to terms with that. So we talked a little bit about that too. Uh, But I just... It's interesting because there's a tie in there with addiction. Like the first step is admitting it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, mean, that's the only only way... uh, I I talk about this in clergy session. There's a Robert Frost quote, the best way out is through. Like... You, you can't ignore it. No. Because it'll kill you if you do. Right. And so just to confront it. Right. But you can't just like turn the other way. You have to go through it. Um, so we both have experiences either personally or just close family with addiction. And loneliness is for sure part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard because it doesn't always go away. It's part of your story forever. Right. But that doesn't mean it dictates the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like all of ours have kind of tied in. This reminds me of even out of hiding last mm-hmm. week from you. Um, and so I think it is good to hear we are not alone, that nothing separates us from God. And to know that we can find that in the world in more tangible ways too. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what the church is supposed to be about. Right. Right. Um, Because it's real easy for me to stand up there and tell everyone, hey, nothing separates you from the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. Bye. But we have to right. live into that. That's actually exactly <laughs> what I preached. Weird. So, and I got a lot of feedback too. Just, I think people, I got a little choked up in our prayer because I was like, and those of us who feel loneliness, mm. where I don't feel particularly lonely, but I know there are moments where I do. And so, what does it mean if we just even have little pieces of it in our everyday life? In your sermon, you end. Well, it's not really the end. Um, You talk about the passage of Romans, how nothing can separate us. um, And you say, that's the heart of the good news, Mm -hmm. the heart of the gospel. So I feel like that kind of ties back to what you say, like the gospel is great. (laughs) Like the literal gospels are great. But Paul helps us unpack the theology and really give us a name and give us a doctrine for how to practice it. Yeah. So that the the uh, right immediately preceding that line, mm-hmm. I'm talking about I'm talking about Paul and what he's saying in that passage, which is there's a, a great line the 
you can sometimes it's like reading Paul is not the, always the easiest, no. <laughs> right? I mean, you have to kind of get in his voice and you have to, you have, you do have to have some, in my opinion, some working knowledge of Greek to really understand what he's talking about, I, in my opinion. Yeah. So he says, who will bring any charge against God's elect? And then the very next thing uh, he says, it's God who justifies. Like you, you can read that a lot of different ways. What he's saying is there's only one the only person who's who's uh, who has the authority to accuse or condemn is God. And guess what? The good news is God isn't interested in accusing or condemning. God's interested in justifying. Like that's the work of grace. Right. And this is the like what distinguishes, in my opinion, yeah. different flavors of Christian theology, <laughs> because there are some Christian theolo- uh, theologies or interpretations of Christian theology that are very focused on God as judge, God as. Um, Looking for who's going to go to hell, right? Yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. whole, I mean, it's a stereotype, but it's a stereotype for a reason. Right. And in Methodist theology, we're much more focused on the, the flip side of that, which, yeah, God, I mean, yes, God is the judge, of course. But for those of us who who place our faith in Christ, that in and of itself is the justification. So we're judged and forgiven. We're judged and acquitted in the legal language. And that is the heart of the gospel. Right. That's the starting place. And if you if you get clear on that, then everything else that flows from it um, is a pretty healthy starting place for theology. And, um, you know, somebody who's lonely, somebody who's recovering from an addiction, somebody who's dealing with the loss of a marriage. Like, if you can get real clear that you've got God on your side, no matter what, then it, you just live differently. And that's certainly borne out in Johnny Cash's life, which is why I just, I'm so captivated by his story because he's not a particularly likable guy. Like I I edited part of that out, something else that ended up on the cutting room floor. My original draft talked about, we saw Walk the Line and I became a fan, not necessarily of him because I find him hard to like and not even necessarily of his music (laughs) because because it's kind of dark, but his story. And uh, that's why we ended up with probably a, an unlikely song. I don't think anybody would have seen Farside Banks of Jordan. Coming. I didn't even know that song. so. Well, I felt like it worked. Yeah. No, it totally did. So tell us some of the lyrics in case we didn't hear the sermon. <laughs> um, yeah. So the premise, or the premise is yeah. that this love story in this life ends up getting continued in the life to come. Mm-hmm. And so... That can sound a little har- hallmarky. You I know. think it's also a little morbid. Um, <laughs> Our life goes past the grave. A little Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Now. Yeah, it's not my jam, but I hear you. <laughs> Middle school, <laughs> Chris over here. <laughs> or just romantic. That's another way to describe Which, yeah. you know, I would, I would interpret it as romantic. I would All right, you it. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> morbid to me is romantic to you. So romantic to you is middle school to you. That's interesting. But you, mm-hmm. I got to talk to your therapist about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a realist, so it makes sense. Um, but so uh, the far side banks of Jordan means that when we cross over into heaven, like the Jordan is kind of the, in uh, traditional Christian theology, like the, like metaphorically, we cross over to Jordan when we get to heaven. And so uh, the one who dies first is waiting for the other one when they cross. And the, and the whole, like it's, that sounds like a crazy premise, but when you hear it, it's really good. Any romantic likes it. Realist may, may or may not. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a little morbid, but it does resonate with people. Like, even if I find it morbid, I understand what they're going for with that. Um, and a lot of people worry about what will happen when their loved one goes before them. Yeah. I would say your cynicism is a product of your youth, perhaps. The, the longer you, the, we'll see. the older check, you get with check Jake, back in a few the more years. that's going to matter to you. <laughs> check back in a few years. Um, Ashley agrees with me. So I love your story. So you tell this story that you and Whitney <laughs> were watched Walk the Line. <laughs> no, yeah. So we had seen Walk the Line. Are you talking about the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then a couple, oh, the musical. It, yeah, it was the y'all musical. were at the so musical. We, so we we saw Walk the Line. The mu- the movie's not in the Walk the Line. Got like, it. And if you go on Apple. Um, okay, so I'm not crazy for never hearing no, this song. No, 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 okay, no. no. Cool. It's if you had been a contemporary of theirs and you knew, like if you had watched the Johnny Cash show, if you had right. seen stuff with Johnny and June, if you had seen them in concert, you would have heard it. But okay, cool. it didn't show up and walk the line. Because it's so overtly religious. Like it's not going to. Right. Like, I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we saw Walk the Line. It was not in Walk the Line. That was in 05. <laughs> 08, we're at uh, the Dallas Summer Musicals and this very terrible musical, by the way, called Ring of Fire. I went back and read the review in the Dallas Observer. Oh, they hated it. because so, They're never that good when they do those bio, biopics. Yeah, Rarely are like they. the Billy Joel one was not yeah, good. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the one with the, uh, who are those foul-mouthed New Jersey kids? Jersey boys? Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. <laughs> yeah, none of that is my jam, Not really. my jam. And Anyway, but it was in the season, and we had weird season. Yeah, together, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, plus, like the their Johnny was like tall and blonde haired, like like a surfer, <laughs> very like, realistic. Yeah. Which is you know, so anyway, so we're <laughs> we're just watching this and it's in the second act. I can't believe you said this. And uh, I would have the same look on my face <laughs> as Whitney. <laughs> Again, the romantic in me. Um, so we're we're listening to the song. I mostly can't believe you told a whole sanctuary of people that you did this. <laughs> but keep going. It resonated. It worked. Ashley, you were at the 11 o'clock. It, it worked, didn't it? It, it worked. For, for the people <laughs> who it worked for. I heard, I, yeah. I was keep s- going, keep going. Tell the people. So, you're, you're, not, you're not on the mic. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah. so, uh, so they're singing the song, and I'm, I'm getting emotional because that's what I do. That's how I, that's how I do. And, <laughs> and I looked over, and Whitney was getting emotional, too. And I said, I leaned over like, you know, that's I, I, I made some reference to the two of us, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like what? What did you say? I don't remember exactly. That's what I think I, about us. I'll, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And uh, and she, she, it was this really weird moment. And she You were looked, embarrassed based I on was, her look. No, I wasn't embarrassed. I was like, oh my God. Like I was You were offended? offended? <laughs> because she was thinking of ex-boyfriends? Well, I wasn't sure. So, I mean, I figured it wasn't that. But <laughs> Y'all have a child together. I hope it wasn't exactly. That. So, yeah, turns out she was thinking about Max. And if you listen to the song, you Max, who was a year and a half old at the time, we didn't have Sam yet. So I thought it was funny. It was it was hilarious. It was good. And and it was hilarious. It's hilarious because because of the postscript, which is that I'm. She always says I'm much older than her. I'm only seven years older than her, but she. Obviously, assumed oh, I just always assumed it was ten. No, because y'all talk about no. how big it is. Uh, she, she, I don't know if seven's that different than I, ten. Thank you. And the older we get, the the less that is a significant number. Until you die. Well, so she, I, she, we just assume I'm going to go first. So <laughs> she's not thinking about waiting on the far side banks of Jordan for me. So that's why. I was and I did have to give her a dollar after the sermon because that's, you referenced her. Uh, yeah. You actually said Max too. Is that the agreement? Don't they have to split so the, the boys, money if you mention 
multiples? It wasn't a story about Max. It was a story about Whitney. Okay. Yeah. That's the deciding. Yeah. It's not who's mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it's who right, it's about. Right, That's right, awesome. Right. Yeah. So the boys and I have had a long stand. Uh, first of all, I get their permission. I never tell a story about them without telling, without asking. Always. Same, same with her. And uh, so I, I had asked her ahead of time if I could tell that story. And she said, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't look dumb in it. You do. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure you, when she said that, you were like, oh, I feel that way about Max, too. Of course, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, yeah. But it was just, uh, it was a clarifying moment of where I stand in the rankings. <laughs> at the point, if at you that didn't point, know. Was, at that point, I was number two. Now I'm number three behind Max and Sam. That's what happens with kids. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so that's kind of their love song, not yours and Whitney's. Uh, June and Johnny. Right. Yeah. That's, right. you call it their theme song. It was kind of a theme song for them. All yeah. right. I mean, so, they, and it was from the moment that they, and you know, that song is very country gospel. Like, you know, yeah, country yeah, music yeah. in general is very storytelling. Like that's that genre. Right. And so when they, when they read it after all they'd been through and they ended up having kids together and stuff, cause he, he, I, he didn't live to be that old. So half of his life, I mean, he was in his mid thirties when they got married. That's not like he was in his fifties or whatever. So um, they had, like, they had this first half of their life that had a lot of brokenness in it. The second half of the life of their life that had a lot of healing, and um, it was just a meaningful song to them. And so they always thought of it that way. And so there's a postscript to the story. Right. So June really does die before Johnny, which I feel like knowing Johnny's story, it's you would fair to assume he would die first. Right. Yeah. So and what. There's a, her line, they do it as a duet. The song was written as a, as not a duet. Okay. Right. If you just read the lyrics, it's one partner singing to the other, but they yeah, did yeah. it as a duet. And there's a line that she sings, but if it proves to be his will that I am first to cross, and somehow I have a feeling it will be when it comes your time to travel, likewise, don't feel lost for I will be the first one that you'll see. I don't care how realist you are. That is sweet. Ashley, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I cried. It's fine. Thank you. Thank you. I like my three-year anniversary is tomorrow, so like we're still pretty newly married, so we still like. We've each been other together twenty years. I feel like we're going to anyway. <laughs> I get all anyway. misty. We've about been it. together ten years. Uh-huh. It's fine. Like, do you, do y'all need to go to counseling? Like, I don't understand. Stop. <laughs> we are happily married. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I think I'm giving you a hard time. So for me, so, my understanding of heaven is a little different. Yeah, sure. I'm, so. I'm totally just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, everyone. Chris I'm just has kidding. a gift of Jay, making awkward conversations. Jay and Stephanie are very happily married. Yes, they are. And Send Jake's us money. Guy. Anyway, the point. So she sang that, and when they recorded it in the mid '70s, mm-hmm. who knows why they decided to break it up? That I mean, he was the bigger name, so he started. He took the first half of the lyric, and she took the second half of the lyric, et cetera, et cetera. And then, sure enough, when they both died in, um, I think it was '03. And what's interesting about the timeline on this, so they filmed the video for Hurt, a song that I referenced in the sermon, in February. And they're both in that video. Mm -hmm. You've seen the video. Yeah. May, she died. And in September, he died. Wow. And in May, when she died, he was already uh, wheelchair-bound. Like, he he was very frail at that point. And he had complications from diabetes. And uh, somebody asked me if he had cancer. I don't. I'm not sure that was it, but he had a lot of medical problems. Mm-hmm. And at her, at her funeral, Larry Gatlin, who's a very huge, is a huge name in country music, the Gatlin brothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they do gospel. Oh yeah, music? oh my okay. gosh, most yeah. of those, most of that most of that era of country 
is gospel. Did some kind of gospel. My pops right. is gospel-y. Like That's his whole had, thing. They all had like gospel albums and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, spontaneously at her funeral, Larry Gatlin sang that song a cappella hmm. as Johnny sat listening. In his now, chair. I could get emotional about that. Right? I mean, that was yeah. re- it's such a powerful moment. So I, I've listened to it a bunch of times. Of course, McKenna and Brian did a great job with it. They're not country, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you listen to the song, knowing all of that backstory, it's just really, it's just, it's just really, it's just so sweet, you mm-hmm. know? And it was, it was a powerful moment and clearly a powerful moment in the musical that otherwise was not that great of a musical, but it, 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 uh, it was just kind of like the arc of their story, especially in the context of what they believed about God and about Jesus and how everything all works out in the end. It's just, I, th- I really thought it all hung together very well. Yeah, it almost seems like all of this is more a commentary on like death. What does death mean for us here and in our faith? That yeah. It doesn't separate us from God um, or from love or whatever that looks like. Right. And, but in the context of his life, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, could, we talk about metaphorical resurrections all the time. Yeah. And so he, he very, very much <laughs> died to his old self. And rose and was resurrected with Christ to a new life in the second half of his life. Yeah. And so when he, it was not very long after they married that they recorded that song. And then they spent the rest of their lives, he did for sure, living into this new way of living. And all of that's by the power of our faith. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that has such close ties to Romans 8. Um, plenty of people walking out said, I thought for sure you're going to do Walk the Line or I thought you're going to do, you know, the catalogs. A little limited on his <laughs> on his like, a lot pop limited, songs, you know. Cry, cry, cry. Yeah, Folsom Prison Blues, like Folsom Pri- Prison Blues. Though, <laughs> sign me up. That's a good one. But it also gave me a chance to talk about how he. First of all, I, I got a chance to talk about addiction a fair amount, which I mm-hmm. uh, always look for opportunities to do that because so many people struggle with addiction. Yeah, but prison reform, please, we don't talk about that enough. Right. Our criminal justice system is entirely broken, entirely Absolutely. broken, and mm-hmm. the prison industrial complex. We could do a whole series on that. No. Uh, and then he always, um, he, he like he always had a heart for the underdog. Like he he went to Folsom Prison to sing, like do that concert where he made did that very famous line, "I'm Johnny Cash," and that's mm-hmm. how, how we all remember him. Uh, well, anybody who knows him, right, remembers him like always introdu- beginning his concerts. You know, it's a great story. So I think for me, that's what I took away from your sermon more than anything is that the people in the congregation, they could be in the midst of addiction. They could be on the other side of whatever hardships they've faced. Or trauma. Or trauma. I talked about that too. Yeah. And that even in each of those moments, nothing separates us. You don't have to be on the other side. You don't have to have gotten through it all. You can be right in the midst and still God is with us. And the love of Christ is offered. Yeah. And I, I, every chance we get to say that, I think is important. Yeah. Our whole faith is about that. But it's good um, to just kind of overtly remind ourselves of it time to time. Right. Because I think um, the congregation, the people in the pews, they hold stuff. We're not perfect people. Us sitting up front are not either. Um, and so being reminded kind of of our humanity in all of it. And how that humanity is limited by the power and transformation of the cross is really powerful. So you end with saying, we can rest assured of that great gospel truth, both in this life and on the far side banks of Jordan. Yeah. That was cute. Yeah. It was cute. I mean, it was good. (laughs) 
It was powerful. I feel like I've said powerful ten times. No, I, but thanks. I mean, I, the whole his whole story is is that way, and uh, it was just a it was a fun Sunday to take the same scripture, go in two entirely different directions. Not, in, I guess, maybe not entirely different directions, but pretty different directions. Yeah, yeah. With very different artists in very different spiritual places, right? But still with a message that's relevant for today. I mean, that's the way the Bible works. That's that's the way the Holy Spirit works in the midst of our interpretation of scripture and how we interact with the world, which is the, really the whole point of this series, even though it's through the medium of music. Yeah. It's how our faith is alive and active in the world. Yeah. That isn't necessarily religious, the world. Yeah. We are. Right. Exactly. I love it. Okay. Anything we missed? Tease next week? Well. All the single ladies. Yes, all exactly. the single ladies. Hold on. You haven't cried yet. Uh, we got to uh, make you uh, cry. Oh, uh, 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 no, because you insulted me about my romanticism. Sorry. You Sheesh. insulted me about You're my wild. marriage. So I did certainly Similar did not. and similar. Ashley, is that the way you interpreted that? I think this was a fair fight and we should call it a draw. Okay, fair. <laughs> Great, love it. That's so good. we're doing Beyonce <laughs> in modern worship. But you're not doing all the single ladies. I am not. We are doing Spirit from Lion King action movie. She actually like wrote it and it wasn't for Lion King. She kind of presented and said, hey, I have the song. Would it fit? And they were like, yeah. So what part of, what part of the movie is in it? I don't know. Like what the intro or the outro. I didn't like rewatch like the, the movie. I just know that it's on the soundtrack. Hmm. Well, type it into Spotify. Stump the pastor. <laughs> about spirit from Beyonce. <laughs> so you have another powerhouse, not quite as powerful as Beyonce. This is another head-to-head week, really. <laughs> yeah. Beyonce v. Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Taylor Swift slash Ed Sheeran. And my boys kept asking me, are you doing, is it five weeks? Are you doing Taylor Swift this week and then Ed, Ed Sheeran next yeah. week? So, no, it's... Together. Yeah. And so I, I'm excited about that. And the youth choir singing in the sanctuary. And it's Senior Sunday. And it's Senior Sunday. And so it's going to be geared a, for them. It's going to be a good weekend. But also Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's, it's funny be how it shook out. I know. Thanks, everybody, for vis- being with us for another uh, episode of Off Script. Stephanie Reed Meyer, thank you for your wisdom and your insight and your different perspective on love and life. Ditto. Back <laughs> at you. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week with our last episode of the season. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.